Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hello, Alexa here and I'm joined by a vocal coach who specialises in teaching musical theatre to young singers in professional theatre, TV and film roles. She has run her own successful performing arts school and has coached at many different musical theatre colleges and is currently a faculty member at Lane Theatre Arts. She recently completed an MA in vocal pedagogy where part of her research focused on music performance anxiety. She's recently become a new mummy and is known to many as hashtag curly coach. I'm thrilled to welcome Amelia Carr to the podcast. Amelia, it's so lovely to see you. How are you doing? I'm absolutely wonderful today. Great. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, how are things where you are? It's it's wonderful here and I'm just settling into mummy life and enjoying being here with you today and doing something a little bit different and normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we can't wait to chat to you kind of all about the kind of musical theatre work that you do. Um, and I'm going to start with um, legit, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so a lot of students that I see, I don't know if this is your experience, they love a bit of Hamilton, they want to crack out a bit of Dear Evan Hansen, but as soon as you mention Rodgers and Hammerstein or Cole Porter, they kind of go completely blank um, and and don't really know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and they probably think I'm ancient by saying it. Um, so how do you introduce these more legit pre-1965 musicals to students of a younger age who are maybe not so familiar with it and who really want to sing contemporary mm -hmm. yeah good question and i think um it does vary for each student and individual because some of them of course will go off and will just do as they're told um but a, a lot of students just don't like the sound of their voice there um I often share my own story, which is that, you know, at college and in my training, I was the belt queen and, you know, was always singing bigger, higher notes, louder, this, that and the other. I was always used as the sort of show trick pony at college and so on. Um, and then all of my work was in legit roles. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it is really important that we acknowledge as um, musical theatre performers that when we walk in that room, it's who the director sees of us. Um, and sometimes I always say I always wanted to play Rizzo, but, you know, I ended up a Sandy. I could, you know, I always wanted to be Maureen in um, Rent. And I was never going to be that. I was always going to be the Carousels, the Oklahomas and the Sound of Musics. Um, and I think, so it's a bit about a sharing um, a, a truth. It's also about um, exposing perhaps your students to the real life industry. So, you know, even for my students, I think um, they obviously come to me because they know of my performing background, they know of my um specialisms and they know that I can help them. So then they probably trust what I'm saying to them um and 
thinking back to when I started singing teaching and I had my sort of local performing arts school and those sort of students that your um, network might be teaching, you know, get, get, get an MD in, get a casting director in, get somebody in that can come and talk to your students on mass, maybe as a treat at the end of the year, a masterclass type thing where they hear it straight from the horse's mouth that you will need this repertoire in your folder. Interview some students that are in first year at any of the, the big colleges because that is where in first year they're going to have to sing mostly legit repertoire in their first year that's kind of how it's been for a while and how it is at the moment whether that would change I don't know but certainly speaking for the now you know um you, they should ask people that are in first year they should think about the shows that are on tour that are in town at the moment um and what would they take to that audition um you know the sound of music audition is usually somewhere over the rainbow a cappella. um so for example you know if you want to be in these shows you're going to have to have that repertoire in your folder um so you know having one of the main kids casting agents come and do a little chat or you know like this recording a podcast doing an interview with one of them um and circulating that to your students is really really helpful something that i do practically um i'm always preaching um about the fact in my opinion in my teaching experience to sing big you've got to be able to sing small um and so i often do this thing where you know if we take um monster from frozen for example um and if you ask your student to sing that chorus really quietly and they can't do it and ask them why they think they can't um then trying to get them to unravel that so trying to get them to acknowledge i need this quiet singing um i think it's probably also a good friend of mine jay ramage who coaches on the voice kids you know i think she has said on one of her blogs and so on about how um i know kim chandler also has written about this that you know often people go to these pop auditions as well and think it's about the big note the money note but actually they're listening for diversity within your voice and if you can't sing those different styles, well, none of us want to hear belting all the way through one song um and if you listen to the great music of jason robert brown and and so on you know if we listen to some of those really contemporary composers i mean let's go with like lifeboat in heathers which you know every teenage girl young girl wants to sing really at the moment still you've got the da, 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 da. you need that legit quality to sing that part and then you need the control of that to go into the big everyone's pushing you're never going to be able to do that otherwise um so there's that element of getting them to 
physically demonstrate so you know you need to trust me because you see that weakness there that isn't going to get any better and that will maybe start affecting your bigger singing as well because we need the whole system to work then for young people who are dancing as well i love this because they get it dancers get it the analogies work really well to link dancing and singing in terms of the whole thing needing to work you know in order to do my splits what muscles are working it's not just one muscle it's not just the big muscle on top that needs stretching it's a whole system it's a whole thing. And then if I take that split into a leap, there's a whole lot more at, at play. Um, if I do a soft glide into the splits, I need a different coordination of muscles. And so we can then link that with, you know, the same goes for our singing muscles. It's not just one setup. We need the whole thing working. I'm addicted to belt in terms of... Um, not being one sound mm. so i think there's aesthetically i think we've got into a little bit of a hierarchy with the belt because we've dare i say maybe modeled it on the white white woman um and so i think there are some complexities that we need to unravel there when we're teaching belt as well as to what is that student listening for um, and so exploring larynx height, for example, when producing belt, if, if they can't, if they can't um, come out of a belt into a soft sound, then they might want to start trying to do that. And then they must, might start to try and realise that actually singing that sort of repertoire is really going to help me. Nobody... I don't think, can say, I only want to do these musicals and I will only sing this type of role. Um, that would be quite risky for a young person to, to decide. Um, again, the same way that, you know, when an 11-year-old decides to go to the Royal Ballet, that can be a gamble. The Royal Ballet School because that's their one track pathway and as they grow up they might change their mind or their physicality might change or their their passions might change and that could end up being too much of a restraint so also researching their favorite singers and analyzing their voice We've got that gorgeous song, Easy On Me by Adele at the moment, although it's not uh, musical theatre. That song is a masterclass and there's no way that a singer can master that song without having good clear tone, thin fold, um, real good control of that legit quality. Um, and that comes from exploring not just legit rep, lots of other rep as well. Uh, so researching... Um, you know, if their favourite artist, if their favourite West End uh, performer is Carrie Hope Fletcher, you know, listening to what other songs she's singing. Is she just singing that material? No, she's not. Um, you know, whoever it is they're following, you can bet your bottom dollar that when they look them up, there will be um, versions of them singing legit repertoire 
or even in those qualities so you know it's about setting them maybe the tasks to go away and empower themselves because we all know that they don't want to always listen to us so help them find their own way through would probably be the short answer mm. find ways of getting them to come up with that answer themselves mm. um, that that actually i need to do that um but yeah especially those that are aspiring to go to college and train that's what they'll spend most of their first year doing. So if they don't work on it, they do really struggle through their first year of training. They do really struggle because they haven't understood how to work their voice. Um, so yeah, and, and making lots of lots of silly noises, um, asking them how they think it sounds and can they make that sound. So if they're listening to Kelly O'Hara's recording of King and I, what do they hear? in her voice what do you feel is happening there as opposed to let's sing a whole rogers and hammerstein song first off which can be quite overwhelming yeah um and then as teachers we've got to really meet them at their level so have we found the right repertoire for them have we or are we listening to them can they find something can they bring us the repertoire that they think represents them and then therefore they will want to work on um yeah mm. and then just a little fussy side note in college we teach pre-65 um a lot in the industry um what does legit mean probably not the same thing um, so it's really important that we clarify with students what does legit actually mean um, in the big world because a, a 1965 musical, a 1964 musical is not a classic music musical. So, you know, we've got to make sure that actually we slowly work them backwards into that classic era as well and understand that legit, the long phrases, the open vowels, the vibrato, um, there's no escaping that. We might be able to get them there backwards in time, but there's a lot of students that will bring a sweet charity gypsy number as a legit song and if they take a if they take that to a professional audition they might come up with a problem mm. because you know often uh that's not what will be required when they're asked that mm. and i guess that phrasing of legit gets confusing because it doesn't it's not exclusive to pre as you say to the pre-65 you've got quite a lot of contemporary musicals that use lyrical yeah. um, sounds. I mean, you would class Les Mis technically as contemporary because it's post 65, but you would never take a Cosette track to a contemporary audition because it's classically approached. I think we need to get away from classical approach. It almost infers that maybe there's a hierarchy a higher status in classical and of course classical technique isn't musical theater technique yeah the singers can't just step into a musical and sing sing a musical the same way that a musical theater singer um has hasn't got the right technique to just step into an opera so i think we need to be 
really, I'm, I'm really careful now to, to try and not use that classical word. Classic musical is a classic musical. Hmm. Um, you know, your Easter parades, your Oklahomas, your carousels and so on. Um, but it's not classical technique. Mm -hmm. So I think we also need to maybe get out of that terminology. It feels like I'm telling you off. I'm no, not... no, I, I agree in terms of, you know, even the word legit, I don't really agree agree with because it comes from the point of it's more val valued as a style. Yeah. Listen to Louise Dearman, you know, when she's singing contemporary um her contemporary musical theatre stuff there's so much out there and she's not it's not just her you know um even if we listen to Galinda in Wicked you know there's a lot of legit quote-unquote sounds in in what she's doing um so yeah I think we are still in a terminology muddle with it aren't we and I think, again, it's just um, making sure that the students understand all the things that legit, quote unquote, could be. Yeah. Yeah, because you've got things like um, I can cook too. Yeah. Which is not totally in that legity. I don't even know what words to use. Let's use jam or something. <laughs> Jammy place. But it would maybe ease somebody into that world in a way that they still feel they're attached to their contemporary strings mm -hmm. if you like um, so that working backwards thing really works with, yeah. with a piece of repertoire like that yeah and I also think that's why it's pretty great that Ariana Grande has just been um, cast as Glinda in, in Wicked Absolutely. because it just goes I think that's going to do worlds of good for people who follow Ariana Grande and aspire to have a voice aesthetically like hers. Cynthia as well. You know, Cynthia, I mean, this is where, again, I would say her contemporary legit is just out of this world. And then, you know, her belt is out of this world. <laughs> and, you know, she, we're going to hear, you know, and so we we can we can use her as an inspiration you know get pro get your projects lined up teachers get them lined up so that when um that film is coming up to release you can have your students sing a load of Cynthia Revo um repertoire obviously the ones that are culturally appropriate leading up to the release of that film if you can get your students to be singing some of the repertoire that she has covered then they're gonna put the dots together for themselves because they're gonna go wait a minute i can't achieve that sound and that's a contemporary musical as well how's she doing that oh right i need to sing a bit more of that to work and 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 students will want to sing songs a thousand times more than doing exercises mm. so you know, reminding them that singing this selection of songs is working this part of your voice, and that's way more fun than you doing half an hour of of scales in this quality for a day, for example. Not mm. that we set them to do that either, but you know, mm. I um, I use a lot more repertoire, even if it's just pockets of repertoire, um, as exercises nowadays than I used to. Mm. Mm, keeps them engaged a bit, a bit more, rather than the old "ayoyu" type thing, which we would have done when we were young. And there's a place for that. There's a place for that. 
I'm not saying I never do that, but it's more interesting yeah. to be creative with the songs they're singing and, and also use those things as exercises to get them into that sound as well. You know, um, take when you, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. Even if you're practicing vowel modifications, getting them to create the resonance getting them to create whatever words you like to use the shape the tone the texture the clear tone um you know no breathiness whatever words you use to teach is fine whatever words you use with your students is fine but that nice clear tone that legato clear tone mm. Um, you can use that and again go backwards start with okay you aspire to be um, in th this show well look at this singer look at that singer can we try oh look and that singer also did this musical you know Stephen Pascal in Bridges Over Madison County Kelly O'Hara in Bridges Over Madison County you couldn't get more legit set up than that really um phenomenal sing massive sing um what can we do to get you there oh we need to sing some more of this repertoire mm. so just to kind of summarize this section a little bit if you could wave a magic wand and the terminology be kind of more fitting how would you describe those two different there's probably there's way more than just two but the kind of opposing um, approaches in musical theatre? First of all, I I don't teach pre-65 and contemporary like that to my students behind closed doors. I break it up much more for them um, and try and have them have repertoire from a much more defined period of time. So I try and take them through much more... Um, like you would in classical singing, I suppose. You don't just teach classical as a broad thing um, or old classical and contemporary classical. For, it would be the same thing. I don't know why we've got it in such a muddle in musical theatre, but I hone in much more on, you know, pre, like your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. So, so what defines a legit musical, a legit sound? what era is that probably our classic musical theater what years does that encompass well it's definitely not 1965 arguably it's up to 39 it depends who you talk to <laughs> it depends who you're arguing with mm. but let's just say it's 30s and 40s musicals then they're going to have their 50s 60s 70s so it, it's much more defined and then each time period has its own kind of sound evolving doesn't it mm -hmm. um also studying what the directors are up to in all of this you know um if you're looking at the directors that are working on different shows classic musicals like singing in the rain that's on tour now listen to clips from singers in that show now how does their voice sound now mm. um not not the film version because obviously things have evolved slightly 
but what are the directors doing here and now what do they want here and now what's the sound that's being used right now um but in terms of a magic wand and terminology i don't know it's I, I always think it's about making sure that they know what terminology is out there and what people could mean by it. My, what my last thing was, if you've got a technically minded student, somebody that is into all the technique, and if it's, uh, in, and we all, you know, have students that we reach at their level. So if you've got a student that likes to know the larynx, likes to know what's going on, wants to know the anatomy and the physiology, and can recognise it in themselves then prompt that, you know, what's happening on this sound that isn't happening when you're singing that second section of Lifeboat. And then they can start to go, okay, well, can we sing, can we sing the second section like that? You know, playing around again, I think, just constantly playing around. And they'll put two and two together because they'll feel it, they'll hear it, that they can't do that. And if they don't want to do it, then sometimes they have to learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those industries where you can't really limit yourself that far. With with casting and and putting yourself in in an ideal show or or creating your spotlight page, um that can be a bit tricky when f- helping and guiding somebody to be realistic about their typical casting bracket. So mm-hmm. how do you help um, maybe people at vulnerable ages, uh, more so, I guess, with teenagers, um, help them to figure out their realistic casting? Yeah, I mean, short answer, I'm not sure that we should. Um, we're in an industry at the moment that everybody is needing to be as diverse as possible. Um, and with young people, so much can change um and the industry is changing so vastly as well with the rise of um gender equality and this you know we we just had that gorgeous well we didn't just we had that wonderful production of company um where you know the traditionally male role was played by a female and we are playing around with so many exciting options in theatre. I don't think that we should nowadays be limiting students. I think we should be diversifying them. Mm-hmm. So um, also you've got wonderful performers like Carrie Hope Fletcher, who is really um, hammering in on positive body image and, you know, is having the most amazing career um, for not being a textbook, what we've been used to on the West End. Um, And certainly casting teams acknowledging what is normal in their casting. So I think that it's about encouraging students to find their skin in that moment find the material that they feel represents them in that moment and diversifying and being reflexive as well because i think sadly what happens too often is that students get to 
their 18 sort of bracket and then again 21 maybe even older where they're completely lost because they they have changed personality or they've changed um the way that they look aesthetically or they change what they want to do and they haven't got the right repertoire so again diversifying that repertoire not not just going pre-65 post-65 but having the comedy the character the Cole Porters the and everything in between um you know having a raunchy song for the, the the older teenage girls having a funny thing having a girl next door having the bashful having the loud having all the textbook stereotypes in it that they've experienced all of that mm. and obviously if they don't like one or they don't feel they do it well then they can also decide that's not for them at that time mm. but um i think that diversity is good i think that m more is more helpful mm. less yeah um but also on a serious note it's not up to us as teachers i really feel quite passionately it's not up to us as teachers to put them in a pigeonhole mm -hmm. it really isn't it's quite dangerous if you think about it um i know that might sound quite controversial but I don't think it's our job as a singing teacher to push certainly not a child into a casting bracket mm -hmm. because a casting director does that not us yeah um that's not our lane and I think that often we're trying to wear too many hats um yes as a coach I certainly do advise my students um when necessary but usually that will be at professional level again, because it you know, I could push a child down the road of, Oh, you're, the, you're much more the Matilda type. You're much more the Cosette type. You're much more a legit style performer. First of all, I could be inhibiting them. I could be getting them totally wrong, but I could be minimizing their opportunities if they then sign to an agent that sees them totally differently or if they go to an audition and all they've ever prepared is this style of character and the director's asking them to do something that's different to that. Uh, and, and sometimes challenges arise, um, not from a technical point of view or preparing audition repertoire, um, but sometimes from managing um, parents of the children that we teach um, in, in such a way that maybe they've been kind of given this label as a pushy parent, um, obviously behind closed doors, <laughs> you refer to them as the pushy parent. Um, that could be maybe feedback that they're giving to their child when they're practicing at home or they want more from you, or maybe they're getting contact outside of your kind of boundary and pushing that a little bit. Um, how do you go about managing, about managing that? Uh, you need to have really clear boundaries right from the onset of your contract with these parents so making sure that you do not break that contract so i say these things as someone who ran a, a very successful performing arts school for 13 years and i made a lot of mistakes getting to where i am now and i'm always happy to to admit that you know i think 
um, is very easy. Certainly, I used to get really intimidated by parents. Um, uh, and then that would make me defensive. And that would sometimes make me give the wrong impression in my response. So the first thing to always do is give yourself time to consider a response before responding. Um, see it from their side of the coin. And I'm sure I'm going to learn more on this now as a mum as well. Um, it's really interesting, you know, taking my child to their first swimming lesson, be it that they're only 11 weeks old, but respecting the other side of that coin so totally differently and the way that I paid attention to the teacher so much differently than I may have done previously if I'd have taken a friend's child, for example. Um, it's just really strange, isn't it, how how the, the, the coin can turn. But um, having a really clear contract and being really bold and brave and saying to some parents, um, you know, you've sent me this wonderful email. It's going to take me some time to um, respond to that. Let's get a tutorial in. Now, one big business tip I can offer everybody is set up a 15-minute appointment in your whatever booking system you have and charge for your time. So if a parent is emailing you 10,000 questions at 10 o'clock at night, don't answer it for a start. Put it answer in the next day or the day after that and guide them to your appointment system because I really want to answer you effectively and I really want to give you the attention that you deserve for your for your child, for your son, for your daughter, however you're referring to them. And um, to do this effectively, not only do I need to come up with some really, um, you know, I need to think about your email and, and write down, take, spend some time answering this, but I also need to take the time to, to, to speak to you. So book an appointment and let's go through this. Um, and so you're constantly cueing those parents right from the onset. This is how this works and this is what you have to do. Um, they're even booking an appointment. We had an appointment last week with a lady who runs a baby carrying consultation business and even five minutes she charges for. Wow. And I was literally like, yes, go you. You know, when we were in there having our consultation, someone walked in and said, oh, can you just check this thing for me? And she said, well, come back in half an hour. When I finished with this couple, you can pay for a five minute appointment. That's exactly how she said it. Mm. Um, and we need to remember that all of our time is valuable. We probably do know that. But do we cue that to our students and their parents? And are we all doing that? You know, we all need to hang together in this zone as singing teachers and vocal coaches. We need to all be doing the same thing. Yeah, so obviously a lot of my clients have got auditions and agents and so many questions. So I actually encourage them to book a, a, a tutorial. You know, if you've got a monthly payment system, work it into your monthly payment system that they have a monthly tutorial with you. Offer them a time in your calendar every month where they can come for a 15 minute appointment and charge that into what you're charging. Um, and 
make it clear that you don't take ad hoc phone calls make it clear that a quick email is okay but if they've sent you three four questions even two questions you know you need to book an appointment so i can go through this with you thoroughly use all the right terminology so that it makes it sound like this is really important because it is to them you know, this is really important and I need to pay you the right level of attention. I can't answer this quickly and um, sufficiently. And in order to do that, you'll need to book an appointment. Now, that's dealing with taking up your time, I hope. And hopefully there's a few ideas in there. You've got to do it like that. Um, Parents that might be um, causing a level of negativity in there or what we might perceive as being negative for their child, um, there's lots of different things that you can do. I love a journal. I love, love, love a journal. And I'm still teaching exclusively online because I've just had a baby. I'm still not back to in person. And I won't be probably until at least midway through this year. So... Um, I sent all of my students lovely printed journals and if you've got one of those parents I suggest that the parent you encourage the parent to journal as well mm-hmm. um, again use master classes use interviews you know if you've got a tricky parent just get an interview in with someone that can answer those questions professionally at the level to back you up Mm. and then expose that parent to that um you know organize a lesson with someone in that situation so you know for example if they're going to avoid if they're preparing for a voice kids audition and the parent is maybe challenging you on your decision or um uh having a negative impact on the child can you book one of those coaches that work on that show yourself sit it ask them can i can i book a session for one of my students can you mentor them they may or may not be able to do that depending on the process where you are in the process but if you've done it soon enough then they may be able to do that and you can sort of then um have that influence to sort of show the parent how it needs to be done to back you up and support you as well um sometimes you need to banter with parents you know make a joke of it you know who's the teacher here you've got to have the right relationship with the parent to banter with them i know but Um, I have been able to successfully do that before, especially, especially if you've got the son or daughter or child of a doctor or surgeon, right? Because you can say, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to come in and into your surgery and, and start picking the things up and fiddling around with things. So, you know, trust me to do my job and reassuring them if you're going to banter. So set it up with your child is the most precious and valuable thing to you they are actually to me as well i want them to do well in order to do that i need you to trust me because i feel like there's a mix of a there's a mix of information going on can i clarify anything in order to support you better to un- to help you understand what i'm trying to achieve mm-hmm. having that calm conversation in paid time 
So how do I get people into that appointment? I will say to them, I would like to discuss your child's goals moving forward. Can you please book an appointment with me? Uh, Even if you say to them, I'm going to override my fee this time, if that's what you want to do, I wouldn't suggest you do that ever because you're giving your professional advice. Um, And being brave to let go any that are toxic to you. You know, if you've got a parent that is that that ever doubts what you're doing, you're never going to be able to please them. So that's toxic. So, you know, I don't like the whole get rid of them thing. I, I'm, I don't like that because we need to understand a parent really. I'm, and I've learned this. I never used to be like this. Um, or give them a get out of jail free card. You know, do you think that you need to find a different teacher? Can I help you find a different teacher um, to meet your needs? Or how can I meet your needs? You know, asking them, what is it that you think I need to do more of for your child? Having parents in on lessons is something that teachers are often reluctant to do. But in the right setup, having parents in on lessons can be really, really powerful Mm. because you can um be quite manipulative actually and I'm going to use that word because there's been times that I've had a parent like the one you're describing and you can literally do the whole and mummy's going to and and mummy aren't you so proud right now mummy wasn't that brilliant you can literally tell them what they're supposed to be doing um which it's outright manipulation (laughs) but you can do that um you can do things in the lesson like right mum's gonna write down three things that are really excellent about this performance whilst you sing to me right now Mm -hmm. um i'm going to and we're going to start with mum's feedback which are the positive things and we're going to then do my feedback which are the constructive things because i'm the teacher so you're being really clear mum your job is to do this or dad your job is to do this parent your job is to do this my job is to do that and actually you could set up a policy whereby for the first 12 weeks a parent has to be in the lesson Mm. if you don't want them there all the time set it up as the policy from the start obviously you've got to check your insurances as to whether you're allowed to um teach without them in the room anymore anyway it's tricky but certainly in my older age I suppose (laughs) in my wisdom I should say um and in comparison to how my attitude used to be as a younger teacher it's very different now I try and see it from the other side of the coin and get into the head of the parent And that very much comes from a coaching, you know, when when I did my MA, we had to study coaching uh, theory. Mm -hmm. And I think that really allows you to get into the head of the client instead of um, perhaps the more defensive place or there's a whole load of different places it could come from, not just defense, but um, trying to understand, you know, 
again, it could, what's going on for that parent when they're being a little bit irritating? <laughs> there could be something that's really breaking their heart right now and they've responded really badly to something, but mm. actually they they need a bit of sympathy and, and understanding where they're at at that time. They could be putting every singing lesson on their credit card and every time they're paying you for a lesson, they're getting more and more in debt and can't pay their mortgage this month. And they're trying to do the best for their child, but actually when they're looking at their child through a lesson, fiddling with their pencil, that is the most irritating thing to them. You know, trying to understand where it's coming from yeah. can be really important to the way that we then approach it. Um, and speaking of you being a, a new mum, how has it been for you kind of returning to work or getting back into the zone to, to go back into teaching? Yeah, it's um, a whole mix of different things. And I'm really grateful to you for asking because as you know, uh, well, you know, maybe the other listeners might not know, but um, I'm a very much a wear my heart on my sleeve kind of person. And I'm finding it quite complex and quite difficult, actually. And I think it's really important that we, um, as parents, as women, as parents, um, really start stepping up to support one another a little bit more because I I you know being a new mum parent can be quite lonely and isolating and then working in the way that lots of us do one-to-one singing I'm still at home as well um that's even more isolating and um, so it's been quite lonely. It's been a bit weird still. I feel like I'm in a different universe still sometimes. Um, but I'm really conflicted because I don't want to work because I want to be raising my child. I want to be with them every second of the day. I'm dealing with guilt as well. And I don't want to be a, a, a downer on everything, but I'm really conflicted because I love what I do. I'm pretty exhausted as most of you could probably appreciate. But it's really conflicting, actually. It's really conflicting. And being self-employed, statutory maternity is horrendous. So, uh, you know, with the situation that we're in at the moment, I'm a little bit too afraid to not do any work at all because we don't know what's on the horizon for us still. With COVID or with this whole utilities situation um and it's 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 another weird landscape that we've had through this whole last two years that's a continuation in our industry because things keep going backwards and forwards tours are still being cancelled contracts are still being cancelled so especially for my clients well everyone's clients because if people can't pay their bills they're not going to send their kids to to lessons Mm. if performers are still being faced with their contracts being cancelled, which they are, their shows being cancelled at the drop of a hat, they're not going to book lessons as frequently as they may have done before. Um, So the landscape is still unknown. So it feels like I have to work right now. Um, I don't begrudge it. I love it. Um, And I'm breastfeeding my child so I'm able to sit on the sofa um, a lot of the time and read which is amazing Um, I've joined the wonderful book club that's um, Vocal Scope 
which is amazing. Um, and that's keeping me into the whole voice geeky literature and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I'm loving being a mummy. I wish I didn't have to go back to work so quickly. I'm scared that I might fall behind. Um, I feel like I'm having to keep on, on top of things that perhaps I'd like to have just shut in a, a room or shut in a cupboard for a while and come back to. Um, and something that I think is really important, which, you know, I'm 38 this year and I actually held off having children. I was so scared to stop. I, I was so scared. I was so petrified that everything would diminish, that I would lose my career, that I would uh, lose all my clients, lose respect, lose touch, lose training, lose my knowledge. I was so scared and there was nothing there to say to me, it's okay, you can do that. Um, there are more job shares going on in the professional musical theatre industry um, now, um, but it is still a frightening landscape again to 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 say to someone can you look after my students whilst I take some time off it's really scary to do that because you're scared that people um I don't like this phrase will pinch your students but let, you know that's probably how it feels um if if I'm honest um and I had a I have a wonderful friend and colleague Nadine Cox who I was able to say to her look I've got this student, this student, this student, this student. If I give them your details and if they contact you whilst I'm on maternity, can you coach them for a short time period and, you know, have that thing where you give them back to me? <laughs> and um, I'm really lucky and I'm really grateful to her that she's done that for me and supported me. It, it feels quite a scary landscape still right now for me. Like I love my work, but I do wish that I could just switch off and not do anything for a while like you would in a regular job mm. um, and do things like this as keep in touch kind of things, you know, and along the way, maybe something a month. But I do feel like I need to keep those cogs turning and that does feel a bit I have felt the pressure, put it that way. I've felt the pressure. And you do get the odd client, like the discussion we just had that will say, I've got an audition tomorrow, can you help me? And you feel like if I say no, then am I going to lose you? Are you going to think badly of me? Um, so, yeah, it's it's been, it's been a, a weird one. Um, and I'm just feeling my way through it and I'm being really honest. Um, I, at the moment I'm doing a month by month thing. I started back a very small amount of hours in February. And what I did is I did a very business minded thing. I, I thought, how much money do I want to earn in February? How many hours do I need to work? I also prioritized my clients and I've also kept by certain times of the week that I could squeeze in the odd because of the nature of the work that I do with mm -hmm. clients that might have an audition tomorrow for example mm -hmm. it doesn't really happen it would be in a few days time but do you know what I mean that yeah. I can do that brilliant well we wish you all the very best of luck we hope it goes really well and that you find your feet back uh, slot right back into to yeah. your your work um and 
where can people get in touch with you if they want to have a chat like this or if they want to touch in with your experiences and and get in touch and maybe book a session when when you're back sure so my website is www.ameliacarvoice.com i'm on all the socials um it, obviously it's a bit quiet for me on the socials at the moment but i am there in the background um, and i'm really really passionate about us obviously now i'm a mum about you know just hearing from other women if you're scared to um make that decision to start trying for a family or um if you are feeling a bit lonely if you are scared about going back to work or you don't want to go back to work or um you just want to bounce some ideas then you know talk please talk and open up um my door's always open for a chat and um, we'll probably both be awake at different times of the night doing feeds so we can chat then um but yeah and and generally i'm not doing any of my teachers courses or anything like that now until later this year um they'll be on the website i've got all of my um singing school up and running so any of you who have got young focused uh, individuals that you're teaching this is like an associate program it runs every day of the week it's online it's all recorded they can dip in and out of sessions um, they can watch back sessions and it's all focused on a professional career in musical theatre for um, singers under 18 so um, it works outside of your singing lessons it doesn't interfere with any of your singing lessons um, and that's like a little associate program that I've set up for anybody who does want to maybe enable their students a little bit of work outside of the singing lesson environment. Um, and yeah, otherwise, ameliacarvoice.com. Lovely. Thank you so much. It's been great. I've learned loads from you. So thank you for your time and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Looking to expand your vocal knowledge and add to your teacher toolbox? Then you're in the right place. Basta here to guide you with our membership, a growing virtual library packed with educational videos spanning a whole host of voice teacher topics. It's just £1 for the first two weeks and £6 each month after that. Now that's what I call a bargain. To join, just head to our website, www.basttraining.com.